Well, good morning, church. Personal, I love it. Thank you. Well, if uh, some of you don't know me, my name is Ryan Graydon. I'm a member here at Stonebridge Church, and, uh, and it's truly a blessing to be here this morning and get the opportunity to teach. I love to teach. I teach uh, a little bit every now and then. Um, and this morning, uh, we are going to be continuing on uh, beginning in the book of Luke. So if you have your Bibles with you or your apps or whatever you want to use, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 1. And we're going to get into this story that, often, uh, that many of you have heard, to be honest with you. This is not an unfamiliar story. If you are um, raised in our culture society, you know the Christmas story, okay? Um, but I'm asking you to, to, to uh, study, with it, uh, study it this morning with me in a different angle. Put a different filter on it. Because although this is the Christmas story, and we actually will be coming back to that during Christmas to study it in a little more detail... This morning, I want you to see the floodgate opened and the promises that are fulfilled by God. The story of promise after promise after promise that God has made to his people is just all of a sudden coming true. And, and, and it's reassuring to understand just who God is for us because we know that he is a God that fulfills promises. And in our culture, that's, that's rare. There's too many people that make promises and they don't come true. And you know, we have government officials and local leaders and we have family members and stuff. And promise after promise, it doesn't come true. And, and you know, we begin to grow numb. We begin to um, not trust. And a lot of things happen inside when that happens over and over again. But this morning, I want you to see just who God is because he fulfills. And so uh, this passage we're going to cover is actually pretty long. We're going to be in Luke uh, 1.5 through 2.52. And truthfully, I think it's, it's, it's actually probably 12 sermons worth of study. Um, but the elders only gave me one sermon in like 35 minutes. So put your seatbelts on, all right, and uh, let's get going. Let's pray before we jump in. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity this morning to come together and study your word. And Father, you say your word is, is live and it's active and it's, and it's penetrating. Father, I pray this morning that we would feel that, that your words would speak to our hearts and our minds, that we would discover just a little bit more of who you are and who we are to you. So be with us this morning as you promise you are, and I pray that we would leave different. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, um, I just, I just want to take a time a little bit to, dis, to, to talk about this book. Um, remember, this book was written by a gentleman named Luke. And Luke was actually a physician, and he lived about the time uh, Paul, one of the famous evangelists of the New Testament, lived. In fact, they were uh, pen pals, if you will. They actually were friends. And see, Luke wrote this book as an account of the life of Jesus, and there's a few theories out there as to why he wrote it. And that's a whole nother talk, but, but the important thing that I want you to notice as we study this book is the detail that Luke writes it in. As a physician is, you can guess that Luke is naturally a type of person who pays attention to detail. 
He has to be inquisitive and, and he has to be somewhat of an investigator um, that, that he has to figure out what's going on and tell the story right. Just as in medicine, he's got to figure out what's happening in order to diagnose right. Luke was also a Roman citizen and that actually gave him quite a bit of freedom to move throughout the territory because most of the Middle East and the territories in that area were controlled by Rome. So as a citizen of Rome, he could actually cross lines pretty easy and that only helped with him kind of getting the details of the story that he was writing. And so it's more, this morning we're going to jump in and I want you to see what God is teaching through Luke as he writes this book. Um, and most of all, you guys, I want you to remember this. God fulfills his promises. That's what I want you to think about as we read these stories. God fulfills his promises. So if you would, go ahead and jump in with me. We're going to start right here in Luke 1, verse 5. It says this, In the days of Herod, king of Judah, there was a man, a priest, named Zechariah. He was of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and the statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter to the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. And fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. And you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink of wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before them in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah and they, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and he remained mute. 
And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach among the people. We're going to stop there. You guys, that was the the story of of John the Baptist, how he came about, and what an amazing story. And, And you guys, it's a true story. I want to share with you why this story is so amazing. And to do that, we have to go back to the Old Testament prophets. And we're going to visit the book of Malachi. If you had the book of Malachi open, chapter 3, verse 1, that prophet says, By God, behold, I send a messenger, and he will prepare the way for me. And then if you jump to the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 3, He says, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. You see, God foretold of this person. This person that would make way for the Lord. Hundreds of years before Jesus ever came. Hundreds of years before John was even conceived. God promised that he would come. And in this passage, we get to see the miracle of this birth. You see, Zechariah and Elizabeth, as the scripture says, was very old. And Elizabeth was never able to have children. And in those times, a barren wife was actually kind of a disappointment in the culture. She would have been looked down upon. And the reason for that is she was unable to produce an heir for the family. And heirs were very important. You see, back then, people didn't have retirement built up. They didn't have social security to to be there when they finished or got too old with a job. The culture was that when people would get too old to work or too old and they needed care, it was their heir that would take care of them. And so for Zachariah and Elizabeth, their, their future had no promise. Yet they 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 didn't stop praying for that. We see the two, they, they asked God for that. And then the scriptures, when Gabriel visited, he said, your prayers have been heard by God. And your wife will bear a son and you should name him John. As this passage goes on, we see that Elizabeth does give birth in her old age to a son in which they named John. You guys, God's promise fulfilled. Right there. God made a promise in old times. God made a promise through Gabriel in the present time there. And God fulfilled the promise. What an incredible story. And when the angel of Gabriel shared the news with Zechariah, Zechariah questioned the truth and the promise. And he wondered how this could be possible with their old ages. And in return, he angered Gabriel. Now, just a a note of wisdom. If any of you ever have the awesome privilege to speak with an angel, don't question him, okay? Just trust what he's saying, okay? And as a result, Gabriel made Zechariah unable to speak. 
And he closed his mouth and tied his tongue so that he could not communicate properly unless he had some way to write it out. And for his wife's entire pregnancy, Zechariah could not say a legible word to anybody until his son was born. And that's where I want to pick up in verse 57. So again, if you have your Bibles or your apps, turn to verse 57 because this is just a, an incredible speech and yet another promise of God. It's verse 57. It says, Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth. And she bore a son, and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father, but his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relative is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet. And he wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened. And his tongue was loosed. And he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all the neighbors and all the things were talked about, all the hill country in Judea. And all who heard him laid up their hearts saying, what then will this child be? For the hand of God was with him. And Zechariah answers them. In verse 67, and his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied saying, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. For he has visited and redeemed his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old. That we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And you, child, this is cool, you guys, you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord and prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance in Israel. What a speech. What a foretelling what a promise Zechariah laid out. What a cool blessing from a father to a son. God used Zechariah so people knew what John's purpose would be. He would become a prophet of the Most High. And we know he certainly prepared the way for Jesus. Again, God's promise was fulfilled. God made a promise through his people, through Zechariah, in regards of what John would do with his life, and God came through. 
Another exciting part of this scripture is the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, or what we might call the Christmas story. So let's jump back in verse 26. I want to start with that story because this is another promise fulfilled. Verse 26 says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign forever in the house of Jacob, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was also barren. For nothing, listen to this, nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord God. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What an incredible scene, you guys. Can you even imagine what that would have been like? Again, Gabriel coming with a message and a promise from God to a girl, a young girl, an unmarried girl. And her response to the situation let it be to me according to your word. Talk about faith, right? Incredible faith. You see, you have to understand that a woman at that time, pregnant out of wedlock, could have been sentenced to death. In fact, the law said she could have been stowed on her father's doorstep. And her engagement to Joseph could have been called off, no questions asked. We would expect that she might be very scared, but, but it says right here that she was ready to accept that promise. If she had any fears at the moment, she set them aside because she knew obedience was better and she knew God would fulfill his promises. Shortly after that, we read that Mary went to visit her older cousin Elizabeth by which this time she had been pregnant about six months. And the scriptures say that Elizabeth had not met with anybody during that time. Verse 24 says that she kept herself hidden, assuming that she didn't accept any visitors except the company of her husband. And when Mary showed up, Elizabeth accepted that visit. And when Mary came to her older cousin, the scriptures share an amazing speech from Elizabeth to Mary concerning the promise of the Savior. And that speech starts in verse 39. Read with me if you have it. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to the town of Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, 
The baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why this is granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Blessed is Mary because she believed a promise. Mary, in due time, we know, gave birth to the very Savior that the old, old scriptures predicted. Her cousin Elizabeth predicted. The angel Gabriel predicted, and the whole world was waiting for it. Let's jump to chapter 2, and we're going to read briefly that story. The coming of our Savior, two chapter, excuse me, 2, verse 1. In those days, the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own. And Joseph also went up from Galilee to the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which was called Bethlehem, because he was from the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child." And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to the firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. God's promise fulfilled. The birth of a Savior, salvation for all those who believe, Jew and Gentile alike. God promised this clear back in the book of Genesis that this Savior would be so. God's promise fulfilled. And God goes on to make more promises here. This is another cool story in this, this passage. Chapter 2, verse 8 through 12, it says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field watching their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. This is his promise. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth and lighting in a manger. And suddenly with the angel, angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those whom he is pleased and when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us, a promise. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph with the baby lying in a manger, saying, that had been, saying what had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at the shepherds and what they told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told 
to them. Guys, a promise fulfilled. But he's not done yet. You see, when Jesus reached eight days old, it was customary in the Jewish culture that you'd have your son circumcised and committed to the Lord as a firstborn son of a family. And here another story of another promise is fulfilled if we turn to verse 25. And this is another just incredible story. It just happens back to back to back and I'm so excited about it. But verse 25 says this, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. It's the promise. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom and the law, Simeon took up this child in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people of Israel. Another promise fulfilled. Church, God keeps His promises. And this is just a small example of promises that God has made to us. If you were to continue to read on, you will see that Jesus grows in wisdom and strength. And God continued to prepare this boy for a ministry that will continue to change the world for generations to come. But church, my question to us is this. Do we believe in God's promises? I'll ask that again. If you were honest, can you say you believe in God's promises? Throughout this passage and in many more of the scriptures, we see God's promises fulfilled always. It's his nature. When he promises something, he will deliver. And I wonder, I know myself, I wonder if I truly live believing that. We live in tough times. And the truth is, you guys, it's not going to get better. And right now our faith is being tested every day of our lives, no matter what the situation. And our immediate and long-term futures are somewhat in question sometimes, and it's hard to know what God is doing or even if God is doing something. And when we can't control what's going on, we just, we just seem to try harder to fix things on our own, and we try to rectify them and to solve our problems on our own, and we totally ignore God. If Jesus is our Savior and we have confessed that we have faith in Him and, and know that He is there for us, then why do we live without a confidence in God? I know we do. We lack confidence all the time. 
But Scripture shows us that God has made promises to us. Not to just these people that were alive so many years ago, to us too, nowadays. In Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, it says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's a promise. Deuteronomy 31, verse 8 says, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. It's another promise. John 13, 33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, he says. But take heart. I have overcome the world. It's a promise. Our God, my God, is a God of promises. Not just for those that we read in Scripture, but also for us now. And we need to trust in His promises. We need to live in that truth, church. We need to let go of the reins of our life that we think we have control of and often fail and rest that His promises will be fulfilled We serve a mighty God, and yet we treat him like a weakling sometimes. And I don't know why that is. As you well know, God changed the world in this passage. And he fulfilled promises that were made. And you guys, I know and believe he will continue to fulfill promises. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, what an awesome privilege it is to see your word come true. And God, we know your scripture speaks more and more of promises that you have given to us. But you know our hearts, Father, and our hearts are often weak. God, I pray that we leave today firm, knowing that you have made promises and you will not go back on them. That we serve a mighty God that we can trust in and follow. And even when everything around us seems to be crumbling, you are holding us still. God, we thank you for that. Just pray that you would let your Holy Spirit remind us of that daily. In Jesus' name, amen.